Welcome back to the RCF Podcast. I'm here today with Michael Ives. Michael, you've been on the podcast before. Welcome back. Hey, it's great to be back, Matt. Today, we're going to cover a topic that is very prevalent in our society, certainly on our college campuses. I hear this all the time from professors and administrators, and I see it myself. The problem is apathy. Apathy is a lack of interest or concern, indifference. It's that attitude that says, I don't care, or it doesn't matter, or what's the use? It's that kind of attitude. We hear that all the time in society, right? Absolutely, we do, Matt. We can be apathetic about all kinds of things. How should we respond if we're feeling apathetic? Well, first of all, apathy Break it down in terms of its actual etymology, the meaning of the word from the Greek pathos, which is emotion, feeling, and awe, the absence of. It's not for, it's not against, it's just meh. Now, not all apathy is necessarily bad. If we were always emotionally in a constant state of, in, of being engaged, that wouldn't be healthy. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know certain people who are constantly on a high emotional high, and then they tend like a pendulum to swing right through the middle all the way to just being depressed. Mm -hmm. We need those interludes. We need quiet. We need Mm -hmm. peace. We need our emotions not always to be very intense in one direction or another. But obviously, the issue of apathy is where that energy that normally should be there is not there or just not very robust or it's kind of flat. It's a problem, and it's something that we're seeing across society. It's something that has accelerated, and a lot of this, you know, arises from the increased isolation of the social order, how individuals, with all the advantages that we have through technology, the more connected we are, the more dislocated we are. That contributes to it. Of course, recently you have the pandemic where there was a lot of retreating, and so that had a cascading effect. And really, this is also connected with depression. Mm -hmm. Uh, Depression is the flattening of emotions, at least kind of at a baseline, although it can become very, very negative. I remember this from personal experience because I I've had periods of depression. I remember one time I was, uh, I liked to run for exercise. And I found that I was having a more and more difficult time running as far and as fast as I normally did. And I couldn't figure it out. I eventually crashed and bottomed out in a depression, but I couldn't see those first signs that what was actually happened wasn't a physical thing. It was an emotional thing. My motivation was declining. So yeah, it's absolutely a problem across the board. And the first, the first solution begins with acknowledging the problem instead of just burying your head in the sand and pretending like this is not an issue. Yeah, we have to, to acknowledge it because if we just pretend that it's not there, then what is that doing to our heart and to our life and to the people around us? It's not helping anything. So we certainly need to acknowledge this is where I'm at. And I think if we understand, which I know you're going to go here, if we understand the spiritual aspect of it, and anytime we don't acknowledge that something is real, even in our emotions, then we can't get to the root cause. Right, exactly. It's like the inverse of pain, Matt. 
Pain is something you feel, and it's an alarm signal. Mm -hmm. God has made us that way. As much as we don't like pain, Mm -hmm. thank God for it, because if we didn't have it, then we wouldn't know of something very problematic that's going on inside. Mm -hmm. Now, apathy being kind of like the inverse of pain, what's so bewitching and beguiling about it is that it's not actively sending signals. It's basically, there should be signals, and I'm expecting them, but they're not coming. Mm. So first of all, yeah, we, we need to absolutely acknowledge this a problem and see the danger because it has cascading ramifications. Because God made us, he made us to work. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. If we lack motivation to work, that's negative for us, even in our studies. We have to force ourselves. Mm -hmm. But if even the natural flame of motivation is not there, it's not just two strikes against it, it's three. It will impact us negatively in terms of our finances, in terms of our moral well-being. I mean, Mm -hmm. how are we going to feel about ourselves when we're constantly indulging in escapism? You know, it's like, I don't feel like doing this, so I'm going to escape into some fantasy world that isn't really real Mm. or invest in these other relationships, which are at best superficial or even pornography. Pornography is a shortcut because it avoids the hard work of relationship building. And, And we just don't like work. And so because we have a selfish nature, and then we have all these conveniences that enable us to kind of take these shortcuts, it just cascades in a thousand different ways across the board. And emotionally, mentally, it's a vicious cycle. Mm. The more we indulge the apathy, the more depressed we feel about ourselves, the more meaningless, the more pointless life is, the more we see others succeeding and we say, what am I doing with myself And at some point, why should I even be alive? Yeah. One writer said apathy is more of a symptom than a proper diagnosis. Mm. And so what you're getting to there is there's deeper issues at play with apathy. So if we just treat apathy as the diagnosis, I actually end up missing the point. Right. Exactly. Again, going back to this concept of apathy as the inverse of pain. Think in terms of leprosy. Now that was, you know, a skin disease that was much more common in the ancient world, including the world of the Bible. But if you get the concept, I think it gives a good illustration. It's the kind of disease that strikes at the nervous system such that the body begins to break down and deteriorate, but you don't feel it. Mm. People who would contract this terrible disease They can see, they can sense, kind of like with the analogy of somebody who's struggling with apathy is, you know you've got a problem, but you don't feel like doing anything about it. Think about it also like carbon monoxide. It is scentless, you can't see it, you can't smell it, but if you're trapped in a closed room with carbon monoxide coming in, it's going to kill you, right? So yeah, it's absolutely a symptom, but at least thank God that like the leper, you have your eyes. Mm-hmm. You may not have the nerve endings, but you have your eyes. The best thing to do is to go to Jesus, okay? Mm-hmm. As we segue into the spiritual side of things, let me just say, looking at apathy as a psychological problem, as a behavioral problem, as environmental, 
Maybe because of pain you've experienced in your life, you want to tend to retreat, and it's easy to numb feelings by escaping in a thousand different ways. I mean, you can look at it as a psychological phenomenon. You can look at it as a social, sociological phenomenon, which it is. You can just Google and you see a thousand different articles on the epidemic of apathy. Economically, what is this doing in terms of reduced productivity? We can just look at it across all those different issues, including your own happiness. But we've got to realize these are symptoms that God is saying, yes, you want to deal with the symptoms, but trace it down to the root problem. Mm -hmm. And the root problem is a spiritual problem. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that your depression has nothing to do with your physiology. I know from personal experience, once you kind of flatline in depression and anxiety, there's no amount of willpower that can get you out of that. So don't interpret what I'm about to say as suggesting that there aren't other issues, but you cannot. You cannot simply preoccupy yourself with symptoms and not let God say, okay, what's the radical deep problem here. Mm -hmm. And the problem of everything in this world that is a problem, including apathy, is the human heart. Mm -hmm. The problem of the heart is the heart of the problem. And out of the heart, the proverb says, are the issues of life. These are This is the wellspring. If the heart is good, you will be able to deal with it. It's not like apathy necessarily will go away. True Christians struggle with apathy and indifference. But if your heart is not fundamentally right, it's a symptom that you are not right with God and that this is only the tip of the iceberg in terms of misery because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. So all the miseries of this life are but pain signals saying, if you don't take care of this, you're going to die. And the Bible says that there is beyond that a death that does not die. So if you're feeling apathy, you've got to take this as the painless pain that is telling you, get attention, look under the hood, and look at the spiritual underlying problems. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if, if this is a continual thing. This is the what we see in the letter of First John, right? That if we persist yes, in something, right. if this characterizes my life, right. there is perhaps a, a major issue. One writer actually said, apathy must be recognized for what it is, a grave manifestation of dangerous unbelief. Yes. If we understand that that is what's going on, if, if this characterizes my life, Maybe it is that the root cause is simply, I'm not trusting God. I'm not believing Him, and I'm not even understanding that He cares about even the smallest details of my life. I'm not caring about school or about family and relationships or whatever it is. And maybe my spiritual life, most likely my spiritual life, if that's the case. But if I'm not caring about those then I'm not understanding God does care about those things. He cares about the smallest details of our lives. Well, I mean, in terms of the concept of care, he wants us and calls us to care. Mm. It's not just an invitation. It is a mandate. Mm -hmm. What are the two great commandments? To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our strength, and then 
to love our neighbor as ourselves. When apathy sets in as a kind of total, all-encompassing disease, it is the self caring for itself on steroids. Mm. And not only is it fundamentally saying to God, no, I will not care about you. And my neighbor, no, I will not care about you. What's so deceiving about it is that under the guise of caring for myself, by its excess, it's actually killing me. Yeah. It's actually killing me. And listen, you know, we hear the words of Jesus when Jesus says to one of the churches in Revelation, he says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. Listen, that's Jesus' complaint. Mm -hmm. He's saying, I'm putting my finger on your skin and it's not one way or the other. It's just indifference. It's just in the middle. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. We have to see this regardless of the symptoms. And yes, sometimes symptoms set in physiologically, emotionally, but those are downstream more often than not from the root cause, which is a fundamental perverted self-love that says, God, you tell me to care about you and my neighbor I say no. And there's only one recipe for that, and that is repent. You know, let's remember in the Bible, it's not just outward deeds that are good or bad. Mm -hmm. It's states of heart and states of mind. Mm -hmm. When we're hard-hearted, that's a sin. When we're proud, that's a sin. When we should be passionate about something and we're not, that's a sin. I mean, how would you view me, Matt, if you saw my daughter being violated in front of me. And I didn't care. I just showed no emotion. Well, you see, the care is the fire that is behind the doing of something that is good. And so really, at the end of the day, this does come down to an issue of, like you say, unbelief and unrepentance. Yeah, and what you were saying in regards to this self-love that, um, you know, our culture is telling us, hey, you need to love yourself, love right. yourself, love yourself. And, th- and then it, here it is on steroids. This is where it leads to. Yeah. Um, it, it's just you get to the point of why does anything matter then? That's actually, that's pride, right? It I is. mean, that, that's what's going on. And we know what Scripture says about pride. But when you said that, I was thinking of an example being spiritually apathetic Mm. Um, I really don't care about evangelism, making disciples, sure. those kinds of things. What's going on there? Why would I be apathetic? Well, I may not care if other people are going to hell, and that actually shows a lack of love for my neighbor, doesn't it? It does. And so, it does. so it's exactly what you're talking about, and it plays out in many different ways. It does. We, we just see apathy in many parts of our lives, but then you see the seriousness of it there when you recognize, I really don't care if people around me are going to hell or not. Right. And to recognize, I am breaking the second great commandment. Right. And that's significant. And it does show my heart. It does show my unbelief at that point. It is. It is tremendously. And, and then we think about this in terms of the remedy. Our apathy is ultimately self-destructive and suicidal. If it's not restrained by God, if God doesn't hold it back, it is self-destructive, just like gluttony, mm-hmm. just like overindulgence of alcohol 
It is self-destructive. The more we indulge in the pleasures of sin for a season, the more we allow that excessive feeling to protect ourselves, to insulate ourselves, the more we are unable to truly be happy. But Christ came taking flesh, taking a true body and a reasonable soul, and we see the breadth of his emotions presented for us in Scripture. We had read um, in a study we had done at another time uh, a short work by a theologian called Warfield who wrote on the emotional life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And when you follow through, you see how attuned his feelings were to God's will. Now, that should do two things for us. First of all, it should make us reflect on ourselves and it should make us cry. And the fact that we don't have tears is a problem. But at least, and this is the beginning of the solution, at least if we realize it's a problem, and at least if we can begin to say, oh God, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I see your son who was pleasing you and wanted to please you at all points. I didn't want to. And why did he do it? He didn't do it for himself. He did it for me. He went to the cross having pleased God to offer a perfect righteousness and to satisfy divine justice for my indifference among many, many other sins. My indifference to God, my indifference to my fellow man, my excessive selfishness. He came to save and to pay the price and then to give us transformation. So when a believer looks to Christ, a part of it, maybe in the modern day, will involve bringing my indifference and apathy to Christ and then putting my heart in his hands, saying, Jesus, this is a disordered heart. I don't feel what I should feel, but Lord, forgive it and then transform me And then, like Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Don't just succumb, Christian. You're crucified. You are new. You're a new creature in Christ. And if you're struggling with it, yes, grieve, but grieve with confidence because that's a sign that you're alive. Mm -hmm. A leper who has breathed his last, he's dead. But at least a leper who's alive can go do something about it. He can go to Christ. Amen. So our hope is that we can repent and we can uh, turn back to him. We can look to Christ for our help. We don't have to just stir up enough power within ourselves to overcome this apathy because what you said, we can't do that. And I think sometimes we look at the scriptures and we think even that we're supposed to do that. There is that responsibility, right? I think of like Romans 12, 11, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And, And so we think, okay, I know I'm not supposed to be apathetic and we tend to even in that look to our own strength and and that's exactly not exactly not the answer christianity tells us to be moral but christianity is not moralism Mm -hmm. the profound difference is that the gospel isn't just another cudgel to break us down and to drive us onward that's and in in the end that's never going to work Legalism, which is me trying to fix myself before God on my own steam and to establish my own righteousness, not only is it an offense to God because he gave his son to die for us, but it will backfire tremendously. Mm -hmm. But that verse that you read, 
That's in the context of one who has come to Christ. The gospel is not do this and live. That's the law. The gospel is believe this and live. But once you believe and live, then you take up the command of God with a heart that is motivated by gratitude, Mm -hmm. not coerced by guilt and shame. No, you're forgiven. You're set free. Will that not kindle within you? Paul said, he loved me and gave himself for me. You know, the surest antidote to this listlessness, to this indifference and and callousness is going to the cross. Absolutely. And so, and, and friend, if perhaps you have to ask yourself, am I really a Christian? I think some of these things should at least force you to ask that question because Mm -hmm. James said, you can say that you have faith, but you don't have works. Faith without works is dead. So if you have genuine faith, it's going to show not that you're perfectly free from apathy, but that you're fighting against it out of a love to the Savior. But if you have fundamental, no motivation, you're not interested in pleasing God. You're unconverted. You're on your way to everlasting destruction. Now, open your eyes and say, I'm not going to let another day pass I am going to run to the cross and run to the empty grave and I'm going to receive forgiveness, transformation and the resurrection power to be motivated, to please God, to love him with everything I have. And instead of just loving myself is to love my neighbor as I love myself. Amen. That's a great word. And I was just thinking, I know we're about out of time, but I was thinking in terms of as image bearers of God, that we are to reflect him to the world. And our God is not apathetic. (laughs) No, that's a fact. (laughs) And so as we look to him and recognize this is who he is, that he cares about even the smallest detail of our lives. He cares about each and every person should we not do the same? Yeah. And so if I want to reflect God to the world as an act of worship to him, out of gratitude for this is what he has done for me, then I can't just continue living in that way. I, right. I don't want to stay there. Right. And so, yeah, right. as image bearers of God, let's reflect who he is right. to the world around us, that our God does care. And I, I like how you put that, Matt, because if somebody is trapped in apathy, it's almost like the way I envisioned the USSR during the Cold War is that everything was gray, no color. Mm. I know that wasn't the case, but there's this kind of idea that there was just, there was no vibrancy, no life. And I think a lot of people who lived through that could testify to the fact that the beauty had been drained mm. out of, the color was mm. drained out. Well, I'm here to tell you, you can't see color right now, but there is color. And that color is in the death and resurrection of Christ. And once you tap into that, all of a sudden, there will be a resurrection of beauty as you shine the light of the gospel. And lo and behold, you'll begin to discover true and real satisfaction and pleasure. And it's going to be contagious. 
I just want to encourage you guys as listeners, if you're struggling to get out of this and maybe you don't know where to start, don't ignore the ordinary means of grace Amen. that God has Amen. given to us. And ultimately, we have his word. The spiritual disciplines are incredibly important. Spend time getting to know God, drawing close to him, seeing his beauty yeah. through the word. But also don't ignore Christian community. Don't ignore the people that he's put around you for that purpose, to help you to see his beauty and to see what he's doing and how he's at work. And, and I, I really appreciate your ending with that, Matt, because even secular authorities realize that a lot of the apathy of what's going on in our culture is the byproduct of an increasingly insular uh, self-isolating society. Mm -hmm. Well, Christians shouldn't be surprised by that, but we actually, we have to put that in practice and not, oh, I'm a Christian now. I don't, no, yeah. I, I need the gathering together of God's people, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the custom of some is, mm -hmm. but coming together, encouraging each other and doing so physically yeah. because we are physical embodied beings and as Rutherford once said, many sparks make a good fire. One cold hand is not going to warm up as easily as two cold hands that rub together. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. Michael, thank you for your time today. Absolutely, man. And I hope this encourages all of you who are listening. If you have further questions, feel free to reach out to us at podcast at roadiefellowship.com. Or if you'd like more information on Rody Christian Fellowship, Visit us on the web at roadiefellowship.com or on Instagram at roadiefellowship.